Back in September, we started the sermon series on 1 Timothy that I knew that would probably take us at least six or seven months uh, to get through as we, as we broke it down because one of the things that we'd said way back at the beginning is we wanted to work our way through scripture consistently, systematically, actually not just come every week with a different thought depending on the week that I had had but work our way through a book and so we started in 1 Timothy at the beginning of September so it's now the start of January and we're at the second part of chapter 4 so I'm hoping to get it finished this year but uh, definitely we're going to continue on with this and uh, we just happened to fall on a passage in Timothy that had a few new year thoughts because it is the new year uh, the new year is always full of expectation uh, we prayed it already the faithfulness of God yesterday uh, we'll see the faithfulness of God both today and tomorrow and way back on November the 21st when I preached on the first five verses of 1 Timothy uh, 5 just to give us just a recap uh, to help us as we move into this uh, today that we don't want Timothy and it's Paul's letter to his young spiritual son Timothy who's in Ephesus and is looking after pastoring uh, churches there and he's hit a little bit of trouble uh, his problems there and Paul is writing to him to teach him and also to encourage him and the first three chapters he does that the first thing he does is simply say this Timothy stay where you are he says there might be a bit of trouble there this is where God has called you to be so you need to stay there so that's the beginning of the book and then Paul goes in to give him some teaching about how to do church uh, how we bring God's people together because there were some false teachers there teaching some nonsense and, and the challenge was to, 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 to basically go and challenge these people go and tell these people to stop teaching the nonsense that they're teaching and then Paul moves right through that beginning of th the three chapters of Timothy by giving some teaching on how we do church, the role of men, the role of women, uh, where leaders fit in, uh, how we pray, who we pray for, things like that. And when we came to chapter 4, it marks a sort of major transition in, in what Paul is writing to Timothy. Uh, because we know the first three chapters is those personal matters that Paul is writing. But now he comes to this primary topic, which is the danger that's posed by false teachers and the specific responsibilities of various groups the last three chapters of 1 Timothy which is how we look after people how we care for the widows and the orphans how, how, we, uh, how the young ones relate to the elder ones how the older ones relate to the young ones men, women again and things so he warns him of some of the dangers that will cause some of them to abandon their faith because that was one of the problems there people were quitting they were giving up their faith and we said there were three issues the first one the danger of false teaching which some people will wrongly believe some people will believe anything and it's so true sometimes in the church that they think just because somebody stands up here and says it or somebody wears uh, you know the, the right outfit in a sense and says something people will say oh that must be true then because they're saying it from the front of church and so we looked at the danger of false teaching then we looked at the danger of deception that because of the false teaching that some will be deceived they will be deceived because the teaching that is given by the false teachers is not from scripture and then the third one we saw was the danger of apostasy which is some will depart from the faith some will just give it up 
some will, we will all, we, we mentioned last time, we will all love somebody or people who were once on fire for God, living out their lives for God, and because of circumstances or situations or something that's happened, it caused them to depart. And I said another few things that helped us as a church. The first one is this, so be aware the enemy does not want you to sin, he wants you to quit. And I think that's quite important to say that at the start of this year. The role of the enemy is to get you to quit, not to sin. Your sins are dealt with by Christ at the cross. That's not an excuse to sin. But the devil wants you to quit. And he'll do it in certain ways. Well, encourage you. You need to go to church. No, we need to pray. No, we need uh, Bible. No, we need fellowship. No, we need to encourage by other believers. Those thoughts will drop in there uh, for people. And then what happens is someone who falls away from the faith because they fail to love the truth. And all the way through Timothy, we've said that the foundation, the groundwork for our Christian walk is a foundation of truth is making sure that we're grounded on truth and our truth is found in the word of God and that's how we build our lives. And so often people fall away from the faith because they fail to love the truth. And I've just said the third thing, that being grounded in the truth is simply what discerns false teaching from true teaching. How do I know when somebody's teaching me something wrong? Well, I've got to go and check it out. I've got to go and make sure that I'm understanding. I don't just believe everything that's said because not everything almost that I hear sometimes is absolute truth. But sometimes people take it on board that it's truth because maybe it's just something that they want to hear at that time. So we've got to make sure that we're grounded in the truth. So Timothy moves on to these next verses in 1 Timothy 4, verse 6 uh, to 10. And, and this is our New Year thought as well. That If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labour and strive, because we put our hope in the living God, who is the saviour of all people, and especially of those who believe. Now it just so happens to fall on this passage at the beginning of the new year, that it says, for physical training is of some value, because we all know at the start of the new year, the gym memberships go up, and everybody makes that new year's resolution, that I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to lose weight, I'm not going to eat a whole packet of Doritos in front of the TV, and a whole box of Maltesers. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? So this is not an excuse to give up what you started yesterday. If you decided to go for a long walk, and if you decided I'm going to the gym, if you decided to exercise, if you decided to do all of that, I'm not telling you not to do that, okay? So don't look at it and think it's an excuse not to do that because it says that uh, in the Bible. Um, so what we're going to do, I, didn't, I never made any New Year's resolutions like that, as you well know, says, because usually by January the 1st, as a matter of fact, I've decided that I'm going to get my jaws wired after everything I ate. <laughs> over Christmas because it was one of those Christmases where the choice was presented of apple pie or trifle and I just had both. <laughs> it was one of those years. So from today I decided I'm cutting down to just one dessert. Okay. <laughs> the new year, this new year, Paul gives Timothy three things 
in this passage that we aim to be as individual followers of Christ and as a church. The first thing is this, is we want to be people of the word. And Stephen has touched on that already in coming to the table. The second thing is this, we want to be people of discipline. People love consistency. And the third thing that we see in this passage is we want to be uh, people who trust in the living God. The Apostle Paul opens his passage and he simply is talking to him about the, the job that Timothy has, the pastor, teacher. And it's primarily the instruction of the people. And he's simply saying, he says, good teaching makes a good minister. Uh, that's simply because all the way through what Paul writes to Timothy he's talking about how leadership is essential and leadership is essential because of the character of the leader and what the leader teaches and Paul is drumming that in to Timothy that actually he says to him he says you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus if you point these things out if you teach people what they need to be taught you will be a good minister being a pastor is nice going around and having tea with people and eating all the buns and I'm going to have to cut out that now but, but it is nice to do all of that but the primary job of the pastor is to teach people is to, is to point things out to people not to tell people off and be judgmental to people but the heart of the pastor is to love his people the heart of the leaders, the elders as we looked at uh, in previous weeks is to love and care for the people is to make sure that when we see things that are happening that we want to come alongside people in their hardship and their struggle and walk beside them and guide them and help them and teach them and this is what Paul is saying here you see, there is one thing that is guaranteed in church, that everybody loves encouragement, but nobody loves correction. But I'm the same. I love everybody encouraging me. But see, when somebody wants to come and correct me on something, and, you know, they do at times. He says, and sometimes a correction is true. And we don't like to face that, we don't like to take that. But we have to, because we love encouragement. But correction can sometimes be a struggle. But as the leaders, as the pastors, as the elders, as what we do with people, that's the job that Paul is encouraging Timothy to do. Simply point these things out, be a good minister by good teaching. Now the instruction is not something that just happens just in the classroom, but actually in lifestyle as well. Actually in the things that you do, not just in church, but outside of church as well. When Jesus instructed his disciples it was most important to understand that he actually took them with him for the three years that he was ministering. They lived with him, they spent time with him, he taught them by his lifestyle as well. And this is the instruction that Paul is talking about here, this process of learning and teaching and living out the word of God is critical for the health and the growth of the church. That actually it matters what you believe, it matters what you watch, it matters what you listen to, it matters what you do. And so for Timothy to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, he must simply be anchored in God's word. And not only is it important for those who lead to be anchored in God's word, it's important for all of us to be anchored in God's word. Because for some, for us this year, 2022, I don't have a big razzle-dazzle, let's set some goals, let's believe that this time next year there'll be a thousand people in our church. We don't need to do all of that. God looks for consistency 
in our walk. He looks for consistency in our Christian lives. He looks for it in the study of his word, our prayer life, our fellowship with one another, our attendance at church. And often we don't like those things because we think, well, it just seems a bit plain and simple. But it's actually what's being taught here in Scripture. That, that actually we want to remain anchored in God's word, simply following the good doctrine that we've been taught. Keep the good teaching, Paul says, but get rid of the bad teaching. He says, based on the godless myths and the old wives' tales, take nothing to do with that. You remain anchored in the teaching that you've been given by me, the Apostle Paul, keep that. And so the priority for Timothy must be on God's word, not on the words of man. He cautioned Timothy to keep focused on the word. And for us this year, the encouragement at the beginning is to make sure that in everything that we do, that we are people of the word, that we, we read the word, we're instructed by the word, that when we get the opportunity, we share the word. What people want to hear is not necessarily what I think about something. They want to hear the word of God and be encouraged by the word of God. That is so important. And, and so he challenges him. And I thought really summing this part up, he simply says to Timothy, listen, if you don't follow, you can't lead. If you don't learn, you can't teach. I remember saying a few weeks ago in the earlier part of this study that it was so important for us to understand that actually a teacher must always be a student first. That if you want to teach people, you've actually got to learn something to teach them. That actually something, as we stand here, what we do here, and we take that responsibility seriously as the leaders, that so we are people of the word, so whenever we stand behind this pulpit and speak out over the church, that so we are people of the word as well. I could tell you funny stories, and we could show lots of videos, and I can be funny sometimes, just sometimes. But what we need more than anything is to be people of the word, because it's a power of the word that changes people's lives. It, it, it removes the godless myths and the endless lifestyles and all the other nonsense sometimes that people hear. So in 2022, as we move forward, we become people of the word. But for us, we, we have to do this. We have to make sure that the word is studied and practiced in your life. I read this as a studied for this, and I thought this is so true. Every sermon must first be preached to the preacher. Every sermon must first be preached to the preacher, that you preach out what you've taken in. Look this very early on in ministry, and somebody said, practice what you preach, but also preach what you practice. It's so important for us to do that. And Timothy understood this because Paul uses that phrase, he says, you have followed. And in another version, he says, you've been brought up in. And simply, it's just one word in the original language. And it just simply means continuous, consistent nourishment. That Timothy knew what it was to grow in his faith because he had been constantly and consistently nourished and fed in his upbringing. There was a consistency with it. It was something that was continuous in his life, that he was always learning something. He was always growing in the faith. And he gives us really to this second point that says, if you're not in the word... Excuse me, you can't give out the word. Uh, simply you give out what you take in. One of the things we did 22 months ago, right, back when pre-COVID and nobody had ever heard of a lateral flow and things like that, 
He says, and when we went to close down, remember one of the most important things we said we needed to do as a church, even though church wasn't open, was to feed the church spiritually, was to encourage the church spiritually, was to nourish the church spiritually. And we had to do that by the word. We had to do that by the word, that if you're not in the word, you can't give out the word. So Paul identifies this aspect of a good servant here. He simply says, this is what it means to be people of the word. This is the encouragement, the challenge that we have at the start of the year. But he moves on to the next thing when he encourages Timothy to be, uh, when he encourages Timothy to be a person of discipline. And that's our second point, that we are people of discipline. He's already provided a perspective on how to lead for Timothy. But one of the things you need, if you're going to lead absolutely anything, and one of the things you need uh, to live a good Christian life is you've got to have that discipline, that consistency in your life of how you read the word, how you study the word, how you pray. You know, you will never drift into spiritual maturity, I said last year, and it's still true. That if you think to yourself, I want to grow as a believer, God, will you do something? It comes to making a choice to do certain things. And life is full of do's and don'ts. The passage here to Timothy in the whole of 1 chapter 4 is an instruction from Paul to Timothy to do some things and not to do other things. But the challenge that we have that we take from this is to be people of discipline. And Paul makes a comparison here with physical training. You know, fitness is good, it has benefits, but he's simply saying this, physical fitness is only temporary. But spiritual fitness is eternal. And it's really a call to action. But he makes this important point. He simply says to Timothy, he says, train yourself to be godly. What do you mean train yourself to be godly? You know, I remember when I was a young kid, and I know they still do pumas, and I got a pair of puma trainers. I think they were puma gazelles. If anybody remembers them, some of you are my age or remember the Puma. I remember getting these trainers as a seven and eight year old, seven or eight years old, and I put these trainers on, and I started to run, which you might find hard to believe now, but at one point I was a runner, and not just for the dinner queue. Okay, I put these trainers on, and I was convinced that these Puma gazelles made me run faster. They did. I was convinced, I was telling everybody, I was telling all my friends, I was saying, these for Christmas, and they they had these, the white lines down the side of them, and they were called gazelles, because there was no gazelle, he's a a fast animal, and I was a fast animal. (laughs) And I remember getting these trainers thinking that these may be fast, and really it's a lot of nonsense, we know that, I was just convincing myself that having the right gear, made me look the right person, convinced myself that I was fast. And how often do we do that as Christians? I think sometimes as people go to the gym at the moment, I don't know if the gyms are open, that's how much interest they have, but people will wear the right gear. They will spend thousands on the right outfit, the, you know, the, the, the proper gear you know, to wear, to go to the gym, the proper water bottles and all that stuff that they think, but they don't actually do anything for them unless they actually use the machines or even attend the gym. I have a brilliant business idea. You don't want to hear it, this is brilliant. It ties in with my sermon. It says, I thought to myself, and I can't believe nobody's ever taken up on this thought of this before. 
why can't somebody else go to the gym for me, but I get the benefit of them going to the gym? So say if I send Scott to the gym, because Scott's a fit young man, like, <laughs> a, I send Scott to the gym, and, and the benefit that it gives Scott actually happens to me. So as Scott sheds a pound, it's not him, it's me that sheds a pound. As Scott get, gets fitter, I get fitter. But I'm still sitting on the settee, eating my Doritos and Maltesers. I mean, wouldn't that be a brilliant business idea that if somebody else went to the gym for us, but we got the benefits of them going to the gym? And actually, we look at that and think, Matt, that's absurd, that's daft. Listen, there are Christians that think like that in the church. They think they can sit at home and do nothing as far as the discipline of the spiritual life or the consistency in the spiritual life and cannot understand why they're not growing as believers. And we say that's absurd, the first one. But is the second one not absurd? Uh, Paul says to Timothy, he says, train yourself to be godly whose responsibility is it for me to grow spiritually well it's mine you'll be amazed sometimes how many times a pastor gets to blame because some people are not growing spiritually because they're not teaching the right thing or it's not what i need to hear that sunday or you know he didn't give me a word or he didn't pray over me and so it's a pastor's fault because it's like hey listen i agree it's not my fault because the challenge of scripture is this train yourself to be godly if you want to build a prayer life, if you want to see your unsaved family and friends saved, if you want to see God do something, well, you need to pray. Well, to pray, you need to build a discipline, a consistency into your life of coming to the prayer meetings, of setting a time to pray every day. Oh, we don't, oh well, that's, you know, that's a bit too It's But I go to the gym. I say, I don't really want to do that myself. Can somebody else not do it? No. It says, train yourself to be godly he says we will grow as much as we plan to grow in god he says he was told you who said there's longer similar lines he says you can have as much of god as you want oh what a challenge we say sometimes oh we can't we are the most resourced generation of christians that have ever lived I mean, you go on YouTube and you can uh, listen to, you can read Bible apps and you can, Bible Gateway and all of these other things. It says we are so resourced, we're actually over-resourced because we actually don't open the Bible anymore. We'll open an app and we'll watch something on screen or we'll do all of that. And the challenge is this, train yourself to be godly. Not only to be people of the word this year, but also to be people of discipline as well. To read Bible, pray, come to church, do those simple things well. He says it as an aim because it tells him that, that it's godliness is the aim. And it comes from the old English word godlikeness. And I thought, the wonderful aim this show, if we're going to have a goal for anything, it's this. I, I would love to become more godly this year. I love actually to become more Christ like this year. That, that's my aim. Said not that we would see more people come to church, not that we would help more people, not that we would do that. I think the aim is to become more Christ-like. Actually, there's things in my life that I need Christ to touch and change me, to build that discipline, to train myself to become godly. And that's a challenge, and Paul says here that it's, it's simply this, it's a worthy goal. That actually, compared to physical exercise and what you can get that way, which is, is of a temporary 
actually becoming more God-like, becoming more Christ-like, there is an eternal benefit to that. Uh, and uh, actually bodily exercise profits a little, it has some value, but exercising unto godliness is something we need as we work towards eternity, profitable for many things. A promise of the life that is now, but also of the life to come. The difficulty is this. Anytime you try and discipline yourself to do something, it's tough, it's hard. I mean, let's be honest, Dean. You don't have to show hands, you can do. How many people made a New Year's resolution yesterday morning? And how many people have broken it already? Yeah, see, some of you are looking down and you're like, oh, yeah, I know. He says, there's no shame in that. He says, no shame in that. He says, we're not pointing anybody out here, okay? All right. But that's the truth of it, isn't it? Why? Because discipline's hard. Trying to do something consistent and constant in our life is difficult. To build in that into our spiritual lives is as difficult. Why? Because we don't just drift into spiritual maturity. It's a conscious choice that we make. And so Paul actually sums up this part to Timothy here in the passage simply this way. And I've touched on this already. There are things that you must do and there are things that you must not do. Isn't that really summing up not just life sometimes but the Christian life? We know the stuff that is good for us, that is helpful, that is beneficial. But the stuff that is not so good for us, it's a do's and don'ts. When people say to me, um, Bible's about relationship, it's all about God. It's not a list of do's and don'ts and rules and stuff. Yes, it is. Let's be honest, yes, it is. It says here in this passage, doesn't it? It says, don't have anything to do with old wives' tales and godless myths. It says, do train yourself to be godly. The whole Bible is like that. Let's not kid ourselves. There are things that we are taught to do, and there are things that we must learn not to do. Why? Because that helps us grow as believers. That helps us grow in our maturity. We're on to the third point, and it is simply the, to be people of the living God. That we simply uh, trust the living God. It says here at the end of the passage, uh, and it's a great motto for the Christian life, isn't it? And we don't want to just be people that just teach stuff from the Bible to improve people's lives. The reality of this year is that, yes, we want to be people of the word and we want to be people of discipline. But the third thing is this, we want to be people who trust in the living God because it is he and he alone who answers our prayers. He and he alone who gives us hope. He and he alone who grounds us in his truth. Uh, and you know when David challenged Goliath uh, in the Old Testament it's so important on the two occasions he challenged him in the name of the living God that our God is alive he never sleeps he said he's always looking down upon us his care and concern is directed towards us Uh, and even in Psalm 42 verse 2 it says my soul thirsts for God for the living God But notice Paul's point here because he's talking about the salvation of Jesus. He's talking about the the salvation that Jesus offers that he comes to bring. And you see, our trust in the living hope, in the living God, is this. uh, For us, it's great to be back as a church, but we have to remember our mission as a church. And it's to reach the lost. It's to make a difference in this community for Jesus Christ. And it says, and often in the last 22 months, because of everything else that's gone on, 
Sometimes that gets pushed to the side a little bit or there's a deterrent because of other things that are going on. And this first Sunday of the year, as we trust in the living God, we're believing that God is going to save our family and our friends. We're going to put things on in church that will help you to invite your family and friends to come along to church. Next Sunday evening, we're starting our Sunday nights at half past six. Our first two Sunday nights are testimony nights. The first Sunday night is Kim Kelly's testimony. And, and lots of people know Kim. And listen, invite them along next Sunday night. The worst most people can say is no. That's it. The worst they can say is no. And if they say no to that Sunday, listen, what have I been saying? Be consistent, be constant, be disciplined. We're doing another testimony the following Sunday night. And it's going to be our first, we're going to do a married couple's testimony night. We're delighted that Ricky and Kelly are going to be, uh, are going to be doing their testimony. I don't think they are as delighted as we are. But we are delighted that they're going to be giving their testimony. That. So if they reject you the first Sunday night by saying no, get over it, suck it up, and invite them the second Sunday night. Because this is the opportunity to see the living God working. Because we don't know what God will do on the other side of our step of obedience of inviting people to church and saying, come along and hear this story. Because we believe it might change your life because in 2022, Jesus Christ is still interested in changing people's lives. He's still interested in saving people. There is still a desire for him to do that. And we want to get that within us as we come back together here as a church, as the people of the living God. And simply as we come to the end, because I know my time is nearly up. Timothy was given these commands it says to declare command or charge this is what you need to do so at the start of the year this is what we need to do I'm not telling you to do it I'm telling me to do it as well as telling you to do it so we all do it together that we will be people of the word people of discipline and people who trust in the living God and, and Paul just simply says this to him point these things out make people aware that makes you a good minister. Timothy, if you want to do your job right, do this. Point these things out. Don't tell people just what they want to hear. Tell people what they need to hear. Tell people that they are surrounded by unsaved family and friends that we would love to see saved this year. And so what we're going to do is on Tuesday night, we're going to gather together and we're going to pray about that. And then on Sunday, we're going to invite people to come along to hear this. Because God uses us as well. How do we know God uses us? Because Paul finishes this with this word uh, that simply says that we are to labour and strive. Now we look at it and say, oh, we don't have to work for our salvation. But he's not saying that. He says in the ministry, in what we've been called to do, he says the challenge is to labour and strive. Just work hard. Work hard. Not to simply say, well, the doors are open. Let's, let's hope people come in. If I shout loud enough, they may hear me. He says, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're to work hard, to labour and strive. We work hard in our praying. We work hard in our faith. We work hard in our example. And so we do that because th this is what we have to do as a church. So we come this year with those three things, but we finish it with the, 
It's hard work. I don't know any ministry that people ever do that's not hard work. I don't know any ministry that people ever get themselves involved in that's not sacrificial. The idea that I listen sometimes to people make uh, comments and things about, I don't have time or don't know if I could do this. It says ministry is sacrificial. It involves working hard, labouring and striving to do the things that God has called us to do. So whether it be with the kids or the youth or the ladies or the men, the young adults or young families, out in the kid, doesn't matter what we do, we work hard. He says we're not only the people of uh, the word, people of discipline and people who trust in the living God, we're also going to work hard as well to fulfil what God has called us to do. Because he leaves us with this thought, that this one, that there is a world to win. Time is short, Jesus is coming and the church has a mission. And 2022, this is our mission this is what we are going to do as a church this year. He says, we together as a people, as we gather all together for the first time, and next Sunday you'll be busier, because you'll have all the people back I thought it was okay to take another Sunday off, and it's not. <laughs> but next Sunday, and every other Sunday after that, we're doing this, we're saying there is a world to win. Time is short. Jesus is coming. And the church has a mission. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. That's great stuff. <laughs> the Lord answered my prayer. That was a good first sermon. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not going to get to preach that again. But I take this opportunity. If you would like to hear it again, you can stay behind and I'll preach a sermon again, okay? <laughs> no volunteers. Let's just pray, <laughs> okay? Father, we come before you. Father, you have given us a challenge from your word. Church, let's stand. Let's stand to our feet. Let's, let's, let, let's do something that acknowledges the challenge that God has given us. Let's stand to our feet. Father, through your word, you have posed a challenge to us. Just in those short verses of your servant writing to Timothy. And God, we want to take up that challenge as individuals and as a church. That God, we want to be people of the word, people of discipline, and people who trust in the living God. That you would answer our prayers this year. But God, we make this commitment to you that we will labour and strive. We will work hard, Father God. We will do what we have to do. Should that be the praying? Should that be the inviting? And Father, we leave everything that we cannot do up to you. But God, we're believing for the salvation of men and women this year. The salvation of young people and children. And God, we come at the beginning of this year. And Father, we realise that as we look at the last slide. There's a world to win. Time is short. Jesus is coming. And we have a mission. And we accept it, Lord. We accept it in 2022. That God, we will be a church that makes a difference for you. We will be a church that lifts the name of Jesus Christ. Above all in this community, yeah. that God, you are still in the business of changing people's lives. Your son still saves, and we thank you for that today. Bless the church, Father God. 
and encourage us to be these three things. Help us, Lord, by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.